Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Rafael Posh. And I'm Dovi Maizel. Today we're going to talk about uh, the geriatric population, the standard of care, and going the extra mile. Um, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, the geriatric population is one of our, our uh, I guess, most frequent callers uh, in a lot of cases. Um, they traditionally suffer a lot more illnesses uh, and health problems than the younger, uh, younger groupings or age groupings. Um, and when you arrive at a, at a, at a, a geriatric patient, um, there's an extra level of care that you have to provide. People are often very worried. People are often very uh, concerned about things. And let's not forget, these aren't the heroic calls. Generally not. <laughs> um, although you get a good CPR on a you know, person who's 80 or 90, it's still, you know, it's still a success. It's still saving a life. Yeah. Um, it's definitely still heroism, but it's definitely not, uh, you know, saving that 30-year-old and suddenly they wake up and are like, oh my gosh, and they open their eyes right in front of you. Um, that's usually not what's going to be happening here. We're talking a lot of instances where we have patients who have pre-existing medical conditions uh, that are often complicating our work as well. Um, and they need a little extra of care. care. Sometimes there's a spouse involved or children involved or grandchildren. Um, and or not, or not. And we'll be talking about that on this episode as well is that population that's, that's totally alone. Uh, that geriatric uh, patients that are home alone, not in a, uh, in a facility and the implications that happen as a result. And of course, those, those calls that we all know, um, that we're called out to for a bad smell coming out of an apartment. All right. So, uh, Dovey, you've been having, uh, you said, you know, often mentioned you have 30 years of experience. What's the first thing you do when you go to a call and you see there's an older patient who's living by themselves uh, and then they need help? So be it chest pain, be it uh, any any other call that we get, and, and it's in the 80s or 90s age group, um, I think that me as a paramedic of, I don't know, 30 years in the field plus, first thing I do when I get into that apartment is I sit down next to grandma or grandpa there, sit down next to them, get to their eye level, put my hand over their shoulder, and first of all is we're here. First of all is we're here. I find that in my experience, 50% of the problem already was treated. Because especially with dealing with the elderly population, um, you know, in our world today with technology and work and everything all around. So attention and, and caring for, for the elderly is not on the top of the list for most families, unfortunately. And therefore, many of the calls I find um, are also related to uh, loneliness. Um, and, and being alone and, and that call for help can just be a, a, a red flag or just calling out for help is coming from uh, being lonely. Yeah. So. And say so they want someone to be there to talk to, to care for them, to appreciate them, to hear their story, to hear they're not feeling well and they're not feeling their best in that day for whatever the reason might be. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, when we show up, we arrive and we treat them uh, like a person. I mean, they are a person, but when we treat them with respect, that's what I was trying to say. Um, then that solves a lot of the issues. It's with respect. Already. It's giving that feeling of care. 
we're here, we're caring, we have our hand over over his or her shoulder, um, putting our hand on their hand. You know, while we're taking um, our, our, our initial vial when we walk in and put our hand on the wrist, um, we're not only checking for that pulse, we're giving that sense of human feeling, of human touch. We're there, of course, we're assessing, we're getting the the, the, the feel of what the pulse is, how fast it is, uh, we're getting the what feel they of look the blood like, pressure, pale. We're, we're feeling yeah. are they diaphoretic or not, but also it's that human touch, it's we're here. We're here and we're here to help. Lower the anxiety levels, the stress levels, and, and to show that we're there and we're there to help. And I find that in many cases, like I said, this is already half halfway there already. Right. Now, what you also want to avoid a little bit is that becoming too uh, too consistent for the people always calling for help just to have someone come and visit them. Because um, we get a lot of call volume from this age grouping. Uh, and sometimes, like you're saying, it's just they're feeling lonely. So they call emergency service. They call 911. Those are the frequent flyers. Right. As we say. <laughs> And what we want to do is like try and uh, in in Israel we sort of come up with an, with an idea of how to alleviate those frequent flyers who aren't in need of a medical emergency at the time but are feeling lonely and want someone there to look after them uh, and basically trying to alleviate that stress and that extra burden on the resources of the nine one one system. We all know resources are strained now, especially after COVID or during COVID still, uh, uh, with you know burnout and with a lot of responders uh, taking extended leave. Um, resources around the world are strained. And that's on the one hand. And on the other hand, is like those calls that I was talking about. That, right. That, With the uh, non essential who calls. Who don't call and don't treat themselves. Oh, okay. And, and, well, no, I thought you were taking it somewhere else, but it's okay. You're saying the people who don't call because. Who don't call at all. Um, they're home alone. They're, they're, nobody's really treating them. They don't even get to their, um, family physician, GP or whatever that, 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 you know, just takes the routine checkups. And and modifies the the um, uh, prescriptions that they need for their CHF for their um, diabetes or, or for whatever, and then we run into those um, unfortunate calls of these people that that pass away. I won't even say pass away. I'll be blunt and say die like dogs in their house by themselves because there's no nobody there to care, and nobody even finds them until a week or two later when the smell starts coming out, and that I think. For us as human beings, um, let alone uh, medical providers, but as human beings, this is this is a situation that we can't accept. It's 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 unacceptable. Everybody has dignity, and everyone should be uh, treated, and and nobody should be left behind. Us as a society, it's our responsibility for that. So so that that's another thing. Uh, looking not only at the those who are alone and call because they want someone to talk to, but also the other ones that, that simply don't call and end up not, not even getting the basic treatment that they need. Right. A lot of times people, people feel that, um, and a lot of, you know, the more older people that I interact with, uh, often feel that they don't want, on the one hand, they don't want to be a burden. On the other hand, they don't want to bother people. It's not worth it for them to bother people, but it is, it's important. Um, but because they feel a little bit left behind, they feel lonely. They feel no one cares at this point in their lives anymore. Um, that it's not worth it for them to become uh, a burden on the system and they don't want to call, like we are saying. So there's two sides of this coin. There's the side where there's people who call too much and there's the side where people don't call when they need to. Um, so we've developed a little bit of a program where we, we basically uh, try to alleviate, like I said, we're leaving in the resources from the 911 system. 
um, by having people, volunteers, who are trained. Well, like well you may, maybe go back one notch. Just, you know, you know, as an organization, as an EMS organization, that is not your typical EMS organization. This organization is community-based. It, 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 it literally gets its power. It's a grassroots organization. People love saying grassroots, so I'll use it. <laughs> grassroots organization, meaning the, the volunteers when, when, are on call 24-7 in the community. We know this. We were talking about this in previous episodes and, and, and whatnot. But but coming from the community, it also it's taking that next step in the community and caring about the, the elderly the people, people in the community. About, about the people in the community and, and preventing and preventing these these situations. So go ahead, Rafal. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Always happy to chime in. Um the uh, the program is, is, in Hebrew, it's called Ten Kavod, which in English translates to giving respect. Uh, and it's a giving respect program, which we developed because of a situation like the we were talking about before, where we had a number of situations. And, and even in Israel today, like till, till this year, last year, there were 38 cases uh, where people were found in their apartments um, and just passed away. Uh, and that, those are the ones that, uh, that we have documented. There may be more that are undocumented, but... Cases where people just found them after they passed away because of the smell. Um, and it's incredibly tragic. It's People die without dignity, like you were saying, uh, without anyone caring for them. So we created this program a few years back uh, where we send volunteers who are trained with at least the level of EMR. Uh, in Israel, that's 44 hours. Um, with enough training to be able to take blood pressure, to be able to take pulse, to be able to take their sh- blood sugar, uh, check on their basic vitals, and then report back to, they have to fill out a medical to Medical control. Yeah, the, when, when Rafael's talking about EMRs, we're talking about youth volunteers. We're talking about teenagers in high school, and this is part of a program that, that in Israel runs through high schools of uh, of um, mandatory uh, volunteering um, in, in 11th grade, I think it is. 11th and 12th. 11th and 12th grade, they get like credits. Um, for their uh, for their high school diploma for it, right. and, and in some places they get scholarships as well. Yeah, exactly. And and, and this is a force multiplier, and 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 it really enables them also not only to get these credits, but and check on the person, but this really connects the younger generation, which is the generation of the screens, and and the, and social media and all of that. It connects them a little bit to the ground, connects them to people, connects them to the elderly community, um, and not only about me, me, me. It's getting them involved on something that's more important. And we see this on two levels. Number one is getting them involved on this level to help with the elderly community and, and planting the seeds as them being our next generation of, uh, of uh, EMTs in the field and volunteers, getting them engaged in that community activity. And we have that happen quite often. There was uh, just last week, one of our uh, high school volunteers from Rishon LeZion, uh, it's one of the largest cities in the coastal region in Israel, um, just, uh, approached his coordinator, his project coordinator and said, listen, you know, I've been, I've just graduated high school. I finished a year, my year commitment of being volunteered of this program where he goes out every single week. Now the program involves a commitment for at least a year, uh, where the volunteer visits every single week, one day a week for about an hour, minimum of an hour, uh, to, uh, spend time with the geriatric person they're visiting, uh, check their vital signs and report back and fill out a medical form. And if there are any changes that are significant changes, then the coordinator will alert next to the first uh, first relation or the doctor, uh, whoever the person, whoever the geriatric person has put down as their emergency contact. They'll alert them and say, "Listen, this is the situation. Please check up. Please follow up. Um, alert you know the family doctor, and they can have a follow up as well. And the person will receive the treatment they need. It's someone going into the house, but it goes it goes beyond the medical as well, because what the volunteers are trained to see is not just the medicals and the vital signs. They also check how the person's living. They check how they're eating." 
uh, if they have food in the fridge, if they have food in the pantries, um, if their house is clean, uh, if they need someone to come in and do a cleanup, they'll report back on those things too uh, to see if the older person who's living by themselves is actually taking care of themselves. They're able to. Um, and that has proven to be incredibly significant. Uh, recently, there was a volunteer in Beit Shemesh uh, who went in and paid her weekly visit to this person uh, and saw that the walls in her house were cracked. Um, and there were pretty significant cracks. Uh, and you know, she sent the pictures of the cracks to um, the, the uh, organization, which then alerted social services. And social services sent in an engineer into the building and found that the building was in, you know, was about to collapse, basically. Yeah, they, they ended up evacuating the whole building, bringing engineers in and whatever. Uh, but but it, And everyone got put up in hotels while the, while the building was being fixed uh, at the city's expense. It basically not only saved the life of the, of the older person, but saved the life of all the residents of that building. Yeah, and that, I think, goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of calling this episode um, a standard of care and, and going that extra mile. Um, is, is when our volunteers go into the houses of these people, that these people are assigned to them and they end up seeing them once a week, taking their vital signs and, and, and whatever. They also, beyond that, also take a look in, uh, in the refrigerator, in the kitchen, take a look in the bathroom, see that everything's working. And, and unfortunately, we've run into so many cases that these people live in um, beneath human conditions, um, and, and we're able to report to social services and we're able to also take the initiative on the, on the community level where the volunteers themselves will actually uh, kick in and, and you know, uh, revamp the apartment or, or bring yeah. in basic necessities and things like that. It's having that neighbor that cares. And, and eventually it does connect to the medical treatment, to the medical protocol, because it will prevent deterioration. It will be able to even, in many cases, uh, the doctor looks at the weekly report of the vital signs and we'll see, hey, there's an irregular, irregularity in in uh, in the sugar levels or in the blood pressure levels and be able to, we'll be able to refer them. The doctor will say, hey, get them to go see their uh, family, family practitioner um, and get some blood work done and things like that and then get their uh, their prescriptions changed. And, right. and in essence, and it's preventative medicine. Exactly, exactly. Not only is it preventing, you know, being having that oversight on a weekly basis to see if, if the baseline changes, uh, which is incredibly important, but it also prevents depression, uh, which can, as we all know, lead to a deterioration of medical condition. Um, because the older person also looks forward to the weekly visits, they have something to look forward to, they know someone's coming in, and they think in their mind, hey, you know, this volunteer's coming in tomorrow, maybe I should clean the house. Maybe I should tidy things up, which they wouldn't necessarily do because if it was just them. And Cognitively, it makes them more active. They're not just sitting there alone waiting to die, basically. Exactly. <laughs> um, and often the volunteers were also, if they're old enough, uh, high school ones, as well as uh, some of the more trained volunteers. We have EMTs who are fully trained EMTs who have taken this upon themselves to do as well and go spend uh, you know, an hour a week uh, or more with a person, they'll take them out. They'll take them out of their house. They'll get them outside and take them to a park, take them to do errands, take them to, you know, do medical checkups, go shopping, whatever the case may be. Uh, often the, the people who are significantly older can't drive. So they're really cloistered in their houses. And during Corona, we saw it every single week. The people were, were just stuck in their house. They weren't able to go. There were lockdowns upon lockdowns in Israel. Actually, and when you're talking about the lockdowns, sorry, I'll jump in again. <laughs> but but I, it really does connect because I, I, I just love these stories of what happened here. At the beginning of the COVID, we're talking March, April of 2020. 
um, when Israel went on general lockdown and all the population over the age of 60 was simply not allowed to leave their homes. And and back two years ago, we, we don't have such advanced deliveries of stuff like that, of medication and supermarkets. Well, now we do. Well, well then we didn't. Now then we, we didn't. And, and <laughs> what happened was there were over 2 million people locked in their houses that couldn't even get their prescription medicine. And we immediately went out to our volunteers and said, listen, guys, um, this this is, and they were saying like, well, just go, you know, pick up prescriptions, things like that. We said, guys, it's simple. If these people do not get their prescription medicine for their diabetes, for their CHF, for, 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 for whatever it is, we'll be meeting them a few days later in a severe medical condition. And I think that really connects back to that. And, and, and then like, I go, whoa, yeah, you're right. And then immediately everyone was out there getting these people their prescription medicine. And like you said about a force multiplier before, it went well beyond our organization. We partnered with two other organizations and we took our number of volunteers, which is over 6,000, and we multiplied that to over 30,000. Yeah, and exactly. every day there were deliveries for three months. We had what was over 100,000 deliveries in the first month or two. Um, and it was around the country. It was it was incredible to see. Um, but that's, you know, even the, even non-during lockdown time, you know, there's still people who are afraid to go out, either afraid because they want to get corona, they're afraid of falling down the stairs, they're, they can't go down the stairs, and they live in an apartment where they have stairs and they don't have an elevator. Um, so there's still people who are are kind of stuck in their houses. And the volunteer will come and they'll bring us bring a chair. They'll come, they'll carry them down if they have their proper equipment. Um, once in a while, we'll even do something, you know, uh, extend, go, go even beyond the extra mile, do an extra two miles, and we'll send an ambulance team to take a, take a patient to experience something they've really wanted to and they haven't for a couple of years. Go to the beach. Go to the beach. <laughs> we took one sailing long, uh, a couple of years back. That's the privilege of being a volunteer organization from A to Z that is community-based. It really enables us to, to do things that typically are not done and have a huge impact and save lives, whether immediately or as, as a result and, 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 you know, in preventive medicine. Absolutely. And it's something that makes a big, big difference. People have been, uh, you know, their, their lives have been changed from living by themselves and not having anyone visit to having a regular schedule and having someone come and that having something to look forward to. And that changes their outlook on the day, the week, uh, and, and on how they're living. Um, and it, we were talking before about the connection between the volunteer and the person they visit. Often when these visits happen for, we said it's a minimum commitment of a year for any of the volunteers who participate, whether they're on the high school level, the EMRs or whether they're full EMTs, um, often they go long beyond that. Thankfully, um, and for many years, uh, sometimes people visit and they develop strong relationships uh, to the point where some even consider each other, you know, family. Family, yeah. Uh, and that's that's really heartwarming to see when that happens. Uh, we basically, you know, completely changed this person's life uh, where they were living by themselves and no one was visiting them. And suddenly we have a volunteer in there and they're coming every single week. They're checking up on them. Their phone calls going on even when they can't visit for whatever reason. Uh, they talk to each other. Um, those who are capable of using technology will you know, do video chats, um, and it really reconnects them with society, uh, and with their own community. And the volunteer will say, Hey, I see you need warm clothes for the winter. So suddenly there's a, a clothing drive or a heater or, 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 yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, I, I, think, I think it builds, I think it builds a, a much more resilient community. 
um, uh, you know, taking that, that those extra steps and taking responsibility in the community. Um, it, it really creates a more resilient, more, uh, value, uh, value, you know, more v- value of, of people in the community. Value you know, of living. Value of living. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Increases the, right the quality of life. It. Yeah. It makes us a better society. At the end it certainly of the day. does. And I, I, I think, you know, even going back to those regular day-to-day emergencies, um, of, of, you know, responding like, like all of us do, all of you listeners out there with us, um, that, that get to the, to the elderly person's home. And if it's not, you know, like a, a massive, uh, um, heart attack, or if it's, uh, I don't know, a severe pulmonary edema, we take that extra second to look around when we walk into the house for the first time to this patient and we see, okay, they're not bubbling away and, and they're not, and, and they're not dying us in this acute second. Um, then we do take that look around the house um, and see what sort of uh, um, um, conditions they're living in. Um, and, and we also take that extra minute to look at the pictures that are hanging on the walls. And, and we use those as conversation pieces. Exactly, exactly. And when you show them you care while you're treating them, even when you're starting that IV line or you're pushing the meds, and, 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 and even when they're in that severe pulmonary edema or whatever it is, um, and, and, and the mask is on their face or, or whatever it is, and you're trying to calm them down and you, and you, you integrate parts of things that you see around you in the house into, into your discussion. I, I find it to be very, very, very instrumental in the treatment process um, and giving them that feeling that you care, giving them that feeling that they're in good hands. And it's not, it's not, yes, we're, we're emergency medical technicians, but we're not, we go beyond that. It's not just technicians. I think it's all about human beings here. It's treating people. And I, and, and, and the more we can integrate those elements from around us, our, our, our quality of care that we're providing, I think is much higher. And, and, and you can instantly, you can instantly see it on their face. Even that, that dreaded look that they, when they're gasping for air, you see, and, 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 and when you have your hand over their head while you're treating them and, 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 and you get that good eye contact and you give them that feeling, we're here, it's going to be okay. Right. And we started off the, the, the podcast today talking about how uh, we can alleviate uh, some of the, the mass calls on, on resources or alleviate uh, the burden on resources by doing these things. And what we've seen, uh, I, don't know if we, I don't know if we've ever done a study on this per se, but what we've seen often is that the people who are connected with the volunteers, whenever they're feeling not well, instead of calling 911, suddenly they're calling the volunteer and saying, hey, is this serious? Is it something that I need to go get checked out? How do I get checked out? Can you come over and take a look? And the volunteer will go over and take a look and then they'll assess. So you already have a first responder in the house assessing uh, and then deciding what this does is serious and you need to go to the hospital or this isn't serious and we can deal with it on the level of going to your doctor or going to a, an urgent care clinic um, and then alleviating the resources on ambulances. Um, yeah. The, well we still, we still, we still try to tell them don't call us instead of nine one one because we because, always tell them that, but they call yeah, us anyway <laughs> because we don't want that situation that we're not available or we don't, we're not answering. Right. And then, and then precious time is wasted. So we really try to emphasize guys, don't, don't call us instead of nine one one call nine one one. And then you can try calling us. That's okay. But at the same time, there's that connection, there's that closeness, and there's the trust that's built up between the the patient and the person, the volunteers coming to to, uh, see them, to visit them, and to provide that level of care. Now, what we've also seen is that a lot of um, cities or uh, municipal councils have gotten involved in this project and have been very, very supportive of this project because it's providing that level of care for the senior citizens uh, around in, in their 
towns or cities or communities, uh, which they wouldn't otherwise have. And not only have they become supporting it, but they've actively engaged us in trying to create these programs in their municipalities. Um, currently, so we work in 43 different municipalities. 43 the cities. Yeah, 43 cities that actually the the uh, welfare uh, department works in, in, in full cooperation with us. And they actually provide us with those patients, right. with, with those elderly people, with the names, with the names of, 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 the pa- of the patients, because they know within welfare services what people are actually are actually alone, have no family, and, and and do not have anyone overseeing them, and are under the supervision of welfare services, which are way over overflowed with work and and short resourced on on these yeah. things. So so we really find it is not taking the place of the official services, rather being the community uh, stepping up to help. Right, it's the eyes and the ears. Inside the person's house, the senior citizen's house, uh, and then if there's a need, we are obviously connected with social services. We report back to them. All the uh, just because I know a lot of you are, are legal minded out there, uh, we should add that um, all the participants in the program have signed waivers allowing us to pass on the information in case of a need where there is a need for us to pass it on either to social services or to the next closest family member or to the doctor and all those cases. So. There's no legal onus uh, on the program either. Um, and everything is done above board. So, I mean, I, so, so obviously we're all, all approved and it's all legal and everything and we're um, insured and all of that. But I think the real question is that comes to mind is why does a volunteer organization need to do this and not the government or the uh, city council or, or, or whatever it is? Well, and you I, said it. Their services are overtaxed. There's yeah. not enough positions available in the city services for doing this. Yeah. So, so I agree. I agree. It's, 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 it's always a question, but, but then again, I say, you know what? Us as a society have a responsibility. We have a responsibility right. to care for other people. I, I always say it's a, a shared Judeo Christian Muslim value. That is a love your neighbor basically. Correct. And, and that is, a, we, we can't just point everything at the authorities. We have a responsibility as a society. I think it really, a society that cares is a better society. Okay, and uh, like we were saying, where it's it's a Judeo-Christian Muslim ethos, is it's as a society, we don't want to leave anyone behind. We don't want to leave anyone to fend for themselves. A lot of the times, people have given to society their whole lives. They've been working very, very hard, um, and uh, they deserve the respect of, of us, of every single person in the community. They're with them, both the, you know, the younger generation and the kids and the high schools and the volunteers, as well as the people who are you know, family members and have their own children, have their own families to care about. But the people who are the older citizen, the, the older generation, the senior citizens in our society, they deserve our respect for what they've given to society already. And that's exactly how we came up with the name. And like I mentioned before, this is one of the innovations which our organization came up with based on seeing uh, a number of people pass away and not be cared for. And we just found the smell in the apartment. We don't want that to happen. We want to try and prevent that as much as possible. Um, and that's really where the idea came up from. And one of the volunteers said, hey, well, how about we start the system where we send a volunteer to visit them once a week and thereby hopefully prevent that from ever happening again because someone's going to the house. Someone's caring for them. Someone's looking around and seeing if they have And the that's food. what actually we call the project. And that's it's what we call the project. In Hebrew is ten kavod, which means give respect. Yeah, that's how we came up with the name with it. It was basically these people deserve our respect for what they've given to society already. And we should do it. And we 
We, you know, the government didn't have the resources. The ambulance service didn't have the resources. Social services were there. They're trying, but they're overtaxed, like we were saying. Often you have one social service person for an entire city. So we need the community. And we need the volunteers to come in. Us being community had to step up and do it. And 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 I I think it's a fantastic thing that can be adopted anywhere, anywhere in the world. It's just it's just doing good. It really yeah. is doing good. And it saves it saves lives. It simply saves lives. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's what it is. It's not a project that costs terribly a lot of money to start initiating. It's just going and visiting and taking people who are already trained and saying, we're going to provide a little bit of a medical checkup for you here. We're going to volunteer our time and we're going to help our community and help our, our senior citizens get the respect that they deserve. Yep. Absolutely. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. So look out for those elderly people and always put that hand over their shoulder and tell them everything is going to be okay. Thank you very much, guys. 